Pete parked the truck and jumped out. Yep, this was the job site. It should keep him busy most of the day. He double-checked the notes. He could see what needed doing, despite Mike's handwriting. He went around the truck, removing the tools he'd need and dropping them on the lawn. Just grab the mower, and he'd have everything he'd need. He was interrupted by a woman. He'd been too busy to notice her arrival, but when he turned around, there she was, standing in front of him. She seemed to be middle-aged, dressed in conservative business clothes. You are not Mike, she started. Pete sighed. No, I'm not. Mike's off sick for a week or two. I'm Pete. I'm on work release. She took a step back, startled. Pete grinned. Work gives me release from my wife and kid. It was his only joke. He used it on almost every client. It seemed to break the ice. The woman smiled. You know what to do here? You know the rules? She asked him. Pete gestured around him. Look after the grounds. Make it tidy. Don't let the old folks get out. The woman's face tightened again. We serve our clients, not old folks. They expect a tidy and well-maintained environment. It's good for them. We have an excellent reputation, you know. Our clients have a considerably above-average life expectancy. Some have slight mental impairments that do require a secure facility. So, yes, keep the gate closed. Mike gave you the combination. Pete rattled off the numbers, and the woman seemed satisfied. Very well, she said. Carry on with your duties, and try not to disturb our clients. She walked away, and Pete grabbed his tools. His instructions said to start with the gardens. That made sense, he could toss the weeds onto the lawn and mow them up. Soon he settled into a steady pace, moving from flower bed to flower bed. He liked the place. The gardens were well maintained, the buildings looked modern and tidy. Hell, when he got to that age, this might be the sort of place for him. Not that he felt any hurry to end up in a place like this. He was in his forties, still basking in his prime. As he worked, he started humming along to the music coming from one of the open windows. He stopped humming when he realized it was a song he knew well, a song from his childhood. The old folks were playing music he liked? That was just wrong, they were supposed to like classical music or something. If they liked the music he liked, then maybe he wasn't that young after all. He didn't like that train of thought and pushed it out of his head, stopping what he was doing and having a look at what was left to do. He noticed a smaller block, older and less welcome looking, off to one side, that had some hedges that looked in need of serious trimming. That hadn't been in Mike's notes, but it was obvious they needed doing. Swinging a hedge trimmer would remind him that he was still young and fit. He set to work on the hedge, aware that he was going harder at it than usual. He felt like he had to prove something to himself, that he was still healthy, that a place like this was well in the future for him. In the prime of his life, that was the term, yes. He finished the first side of the hedge and put the hedge trimmer down to catch his breath. The silence, after the noise of the hedge trimmer, seemed almost deafening. He could actually hear nothing. Must have scared the birds away, he guessed. You'd think there'd be road noise or people noise, but it must be too far in the back of the facility. He had a quick look around. He couldn't see anyone from his position at the rear of the dark building. 
well then, perfect chance to sneak a smoke. Mike wouldn't like him smoking on a job site, but Mike wasn't here. He inhaled and leaned against the hedge. He liked the absence of people, but he felt himself getting a little disturbed by the lack of noise. There was always some sort of noise in life. He clicked his fingers just to make sure he hadn't gone deaf. The sound of hurried footfalls around the back of the building was almost a relief. Then he realized he still had a smoke in his hand. He dropped it on the grass and put his boot on it just in time. A woman, elderly but obviously still fit and healthy, trotted around the corner of the building. Her face lit with relief when she saw him. Oh good. Please, come and help. I think she's dying or something, she panted out. Pete looked around him. Ah, I'm just a gardener. I'm not staff here or anything. Please, she begged him, taking him by the hand. Please, go and help her. I don't know where the staff is. I'll go and look for someone. But, please, go in. She needs someone. The woman waved her hand in the direction of the building and then started off, trotting across the lawn to the main complex. Pete was torn. He wasn't medical staff. He had no place trying to help with some sort of medical emergency. He should stay out and do his work. On the other hand, he couldn't turn down a call for help. How would he feel if some old girl died because he hadn't gone to help in some way? Sighing, he walked swiftly in the direction the woman had indicated. There was a set of steps and a door leading up to the building. He pulled open the door and strode inside. The door slammed shut behind him, cutting off most of the light. There seemed to be no lights in this building, just weak sunshine through dirty windows. And still, no people. Pete had no idea what to do next. He was standing in some sort of reception area, but there was no one at the desk and no one to tell him which of the three corridors to go down. Hello. He called. Does someone need help? The building was as silent as the grounds outside. It was unnerving, or maybe not. Pete wasn't sure, but he thought he heard a weak voice from the right-hand corridor. He headed that way. The corridor was dark, dusty, looking like it hadn't been cleaned in years. It seemed strangely at odds with what he'd seen of the rest of the complex. He picked up his speed, hunting for a light, a window or a lamp. He rounded the corner to yet another blank corridor. Where was everyone? A sound behind him, the sound of feet on the floor, made him turn. No one. Hello? He called again, a little quieter now, unwilling somehow to make too much noise. Again, he thought he heard a noise, a faint reply, from a bit further down the corridor. Okay, he'd go a bit further, but he was not feeling comfortable about this. The whole building just didn't seem to fit. The lack of noise, of people, of cleaning, all added to his unsettled feeling. Pete was, by his own admission, not a sensitive man, but something was off here. He heard what sounded like the front door closing. Thank goodness, at last, the medical staff must be on their way. Great, they can deal with this, and he can get back to his garden. He was about to turn when he heard a whispered voice again. It did sound, unnervingly, like a very soft call for help. He took a few more faltering steps up the corridor. There was, he noticed, the glow of light from under a door up ahead. Well, that must be the room. He may as well find out what was happening now. 
The room seemed full of stuff. Pete could only think of it as stuff. It kind of looked like medical machines, but it also kind of looked like vines, and snakes, and modern art. In the middle of it all, though, were two beds. One was clearly empty, but a small mound was under the sheet in the other. He assumed the client in need was in that bed. He walked carefully, for some reason uncomfortable with the idea of touching any of the stuff, to the occupied bed. The woman in the bed, and it did take him a few minutes to realize she was a woman, looked ancient. Pete guessed she must be at least a hundred. Her skin was dry, flaking, and so pale as to be almost translucent. Her hair was thin, almost gone, strands of it littered the pillow. Her eyes were milky, blindly facing the far wall. Her breathing seemed ragged, unstable, shallow. She lay connected to the stuff. In the dim light, it looked to Pete as if some of the tubes were moving, writhing, twisting. His skin crawled. It seemed wrong to be here, wrong to be seeing someone like this. He started to back away. Help me, the woman sighed more than utterance, but Pete could make out the meaning. Help is coming, he said in a soft voice, not wanting to startle her. No, she sighed again. It's not help. Pete heard movement behind him. He turned to see four, no five, elderly people lined up in the corridor out the door. They were staring with, an odd, hungry look in their eyes. Ah, said Pete. If you want to come in, I'll just get out the way. He headed for the door, somehow anxious to be out of this room, out of this building. The elderly people crowded the door, blocking Pete's escape. He caught snatches of comments as they all spoke at once. Going nowhere. Nearly empty. Nosy Gardner. This was getting weird and uncomfortable, thought Pete. Maybe these were the mentally impaired folks the woman had talked about. Well, they were old. He was not. He stepped forward. I'm leaving. Please get out of the doorway, he said. I don't want to hurt any of you. They laughed at him. He couldn't believe it, the five in the doorway, and more who had somehow turned up behind them. They laughed at him. One man stepped forward. He was bent forward, moving slowly and with the aid of a stick. I'll take him, the elderly man said, tottering forward. The idea was so insane that it was Pete's turn to laugh. The man shuffled past and stopped by some of the stuff. He winked at Pete. Then the old man took hold of one of the pipes, or vines, or whatever they were, and put the end in his mouth. He sucked deeply. Movement on the bed caught Pete's attention. The ancient woman let out a silent scream, her back arched before she collapsed on the bed. Pete guessed she was dead, but he was no expert. Pete looked at the crowd in the doorway. She's dead, shouldn't we? A hand fell on his shoulder, turning him around. Suddenly he found himself facing the old guy who'd tottered past just before. He was standing tall now, a huge grin on his face. She is dead, the man said. So now we need a new one. Crazy, thought Pete. They're all crazy. He took a step back, but the man followed him, grabbing at him. Pete tried to dodge, but the man was fast, unnaturally fast, and far stronger than Pete could have guessed. The other elderly people pushed in as well. Pete found himself pushed to the empty bed and forced down onto it. Stop. He shouted. What are you doing? Help. The stuff, 
the dark pipes, or whatever they were, sprang into movement. They detached from the body in the other bed and snaked over to him. He watched, in uncomprehending horror, as they writhed above him, darting between the people holding him down. He noticed, unbelievably, that they had mouths ringed with sharp little teeth. As if at some unheard command, the mouths suddenly lunged for him, latching onto his body. He screamed at the pain, as his mind registered multiple deep bites. They were sucking something out of him. He felt, almost immediately, a leaden weakness in his limbs. He seemed unable to move, to focus on anything, dimly he was aware that he was no longer being held down. The knowledge did him no good, though. He could barely move. He turned his head slightly to see the client sucking on other pipes. As they did so, he felt even weaker, even less able to move. Aches and pains broke out around his body. His vision seemed to lose focus somewhat. He did notice, however, the woman he'd met at the gate had entered. Help me, he begged her in a croaky voice. She looked down at him. We look after our clients here. We have an excellent reputation. Our clients have an above-average life expectancy. To achieve that, we need a life force that can be drained to feed them. No. This can't be happening. He managed to gasp out, aware that he could no longer fight. The woman smiled at him. You'll be able to feed them for a long, long time. You're in the prime of your life. 